Well, we're going to jump back into the book of James. We had a good discussion there last week, and uh, we were framing all of our discussion last week into the, uh, under the umbrella of, of Christian maturity and uh, talking about how uh, James is dealing with folks who are, are facing issues with their Christian maturity and that um, we went through the, the first several verses in chapter 1, and we tried to unpack them and apply them to what we're you know, facing today in our lives and all the different things that we see. We talked about James and how he, he says to count it all joy and why that's important when it comes to, to growing as a Christian and, and how that we're, we're called to take these challenges and trials that we face of various kinds and to frame them in that 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 uh, light of how does God want us to benefit from this? What can we learn from this? How can we draw closer to God through that process? And through it, we need to develop the patience to continue um, to, to get through them. And so while, there are, while they're challenging, while they are trials, uh, God does not tempt us as Satan does. And so we have to draw that conclusion or draw that, that, that line between the two that, that God will, will put us through trials, but it is Satan who tempts us to do wrong. And we're going to talk some <clears throat> about that today. <clears throat> but I wanted to ask a question, just a little bit of a flashback here for last week. We talked about being um, when you pray and you ask God for wisdom, that God will give wisdom freely to anyone who asks. That's what James tells us here that he gives generously to all without reproach. And we also talked about that when you do pray for those things and you ask for those things, don't be double-minded. So in other words, when you're asking, don't be tempted to have part of your mind in the world and part of your mind focused on God. Because when you, when you are double-minded and you're split, James tells us we shouldn't expect anything from God. We need to be focused 100% on, on him, and be 100% convinced that when we ask him for these things, that he will provide and he will supply. And so, so he, he, he makes a comparison of a double-minded man um, with doubts, uh, like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And I, and I happened to think as I was reading through this again this, this past week, I was thinking about examples in Scripture where there may have been someone in a situation where God has given them an opportunity by putting them into a trial to learn something, and they just totally blew it. And I thought, who, who, who could we think of? I don't put you all on a spot here, but any, anybody come to mind where, where there's somebody in Scripture that we've read about or you, you've read about where God has put them in a situation where it was an opportunity for them to grow it was an opportunity for them to mature, and they just totally blew it. Lot's wife being turned to stem because she looked back on, on Simon Gomorrah. Yeah, I got. I didn't think about that one, but she she had the opportunity to continue on and be obedient. Yeah. 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 Anybody else? Judas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Judas. Explain that. Well, he, he was supposedly a, a disciple, but um, he wasn't as good as he should have been. I mean, he was—he would say, "Don't use the ointment because um, it, it, it's expensive." Yeah. He was interested in the money situation. He he was really interested in the money situation, and, and it's interesting that you bring him up because. 
he was in a situation where God was going to use him for incredible things regardless. And, and yet, had he, had he gone a different direction, then what took place would have had to have happened differently. And, and so he fulfilled God's plan and God's will by making the choices that he made. And so we could talk about Judas in a lot of different lights. Yeah, Jonah. Jonah's the first one came to my mind. Because he has this opportunity to go and do something that God has called him to do very directly. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. God says, go here, talk to these people and do this. And he says, no, I'm going to go the other way. And, and I love this, the second chapter of Jonah. If you, read, if you look at the second chapter of Jonah, we, we tend to have this picture of Jonah that he was cast into the sea and the fish came and gobbled him up. But if you really read that what happened, he was he was at the bottom of the ocean. He was at death's door before the big fish came. And he was praying to be saved. And God sent the fish to save him. And so I, I find it interesting that he gets himself in a situation where the, the only thing that they can possibly do is cast him away. And then he gets in a situation where he's 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 certain he's going to die. And he's praying to live, and God actually saves him. And he stood up. And he still doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He still doesn't want to want to want to come to the. And then in the end, he does what he's supposed to do. And then he goes and sits on a you know on a hill far away, watching, to, waiting for God to just go ahead and blow him up. And he's still not grateful. And the book ends with Jonah just being completely ungrateful and completely just blowing this opportunity to grow through all of these experiences. Yes. Yeah, I think that it's interesting. It's really interesting you bring that up because it, it, that's true. It, it was more a, uh, he just hated those people. Is yeah. Because of their race or whatever nationality. Yep. So it was all about prejudice. He did not want to see them saved. Period. End of discussion. And and that hatred is in the heart of man. Dale, you get ready to say something. But God didn't take his no. <laughs> no, God didn't take his no. <laughs> but he's being judgmental in that sense also. Oh, incredibly. They do not deserve. So he had that high and mighty gene go there for a minute. Well, so let's put let's put all that together, right? You can still be obedient to God and waste the opportunity. Because he did it, but he did it begrudgingly. He did it with the wrong heart. He did it with the wrong attitude. He did it in a completely wrong way. And he got nothing out of it besides more bitterness. He should have been on a great spiritual high. I mean, he's, you know, these people are sinful and terrible, you know. Yeah. And he saves them and he's mad. He's mad. <laughs> yeah. He, he saves them and he's mad. And that deeply, like, like, like Bev said, that deeply rooted hatred that he had for those specific people, he couldn't get past it. And, and so... But God still used. Him. God still used him. So, so I want to I want to look at this and put it all in the light of this 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 discussion uh, of Christian maturity and this discussion of 
of taking advantage of trials and opportunities that come before us to grow. And, and when things like that come up, let's take just take that time to examine our attitude. Uh, how are we approaching this trial? How are we entering into this, this season of our life? How are we dealing with it? And are we doing it the way that Jonah did it? Or are we doing it the way that God calls us to do it with a servant's heart, with, a, with an obedient heart, with a heart that desires, regardless of outcomes, to, to truly obey him? Because if we are really, really, really looking to be like, like Christ and, and, and using Christ as our example that we lift up, true 100% obedience to the Father is what Christ was all about. And, and that's what he was going to do at all costs. And so that's that gives us our example to keep to keep looking toward. But yeah, Jonah was the first one came to my mind of oh, what a blown opportunity! What a you know what a what a what a missed um, uh, opportunity to to learn and to grow and to and to 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 get the blessings from serving in the way that God has called you to serve. And he blew it. He couldn't get past his anger, and he couldn't get past his. Uh, um, his feelings in order to to serve with a willing heart. So that takes us back in here a little bit to starting to talk some more in the book of James, and we'll we'll jump into uh, cha- uh, chapter one, verse nine. And and James starts to talk about two extremes in society. And in verse nine, he says, "Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation." Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. First time I read this, one of the things I, I wondered, and I'm going to ask it. He talks about the rich man. He talks about the poor man. Why does he focus on the extremes in society when we're talking about financial situations. Doesn't talk about anybody who's sitting in the middle. He says, rich man, poor man. And is there is there really anything other than a rich man and poor man? I guess we could discuss that too. But why does why do you think he focuses on the two extremes in society when he writes this? Why is he why does the Holy Spirit lead him in that direction? person who has great wealth, they don't have to worry about anything. But for somebody who doesn't have much, they have a dependency on somebody. You know? Um, the Lord. A lot of times I refer like kids <laughs> yeah. were little. You know? My relationship with God was a lot stronger then than it is now, unfortunately. I mean, but then they were little and I had, I had to depend on God to help me raise those kids. You know? And Even though you should have. Even though you should have. Even though I should have. Yeah. But I mean, it can't be had to depend on keeping a roof over the head, food on the table, 
Well, well, what is he? What is he calling the rich man? Uh, the, the low, he says he says for the lowly brother to to boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation. Any other translations with different words? I think those. I think those are kind of standard. Um, why would he? Why would he tell the the lowly one to boast in his exaltation? Because you wouldn't think that the lowly man is exalted, would you? I mean, for, yeah, from a societal standpoint, you don't think about them being exalted. Well, the, the guy who got the crumbs off the table went to heaven, and the rich man, he was bad. <laughs> For God to well, well, yeah, yeah, and then look at the next line. And the rich in his humiliation—that doesn't sound right. I mean, when we don't typically think of of humiliation, humbleness being a quality. You have to be last. Yeah, I think if, if we if we unpack these, because when you when you when you take verse nine and then frame it. Again, in the rest of verse nine, as well as 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 ten and eleven, or excuse me, verse ten and eleven, he's he's telling the the um, both extremes that you need to be focusing on the things that you don't normally focus on. You need to come to a realization. Yeah. The gist of it is the poor man is the rich man. The poor man's the rich man. And, and rich man, what should you be doing? Humbling yourself. You should be humbling yourself. You should realize that your status does not gain you any favor in God's eyes. And the wealthy Christian is to take pride in trials that bring him low, perhaps even putting the loss of his life. So, so, so when you're when you're up here, look for those times when you're not up here, and 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 use those to grow in your relationship with God. One of the commentaries I read said that they that 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 James focuses on the extremes because those are the two times in life when you're most tempted to put your trust in the world. When you have nothing, you are looking for any, any remedy for that whatsoever. Because you want to get out of that so badly. And when you have everything, you don't feel like you have to worry about anything and you're trusting in the world completely because you got it all covered. And so both of these groups are in need of coming to the middle. Both of these these groups are, are in need of coming to an understanding that that they need to stop stop and not let the world corrupt them further, but instead look to the trials because it's again put it all in, in, in context, right? Look to the trials and realize that just because you just because you're wealthy, you have no advantage toward God, and you need to identify with the poor in their affliction. And then when it comes to the to the, the the lowly, exactly what you said, right? You 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 need to you keep focusing on God and realize what does it really boil down to? Stop stop depending on earthly things. 
doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, there's great people with rich. I think at God's chicken house, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. You know, they close <laughs> on Sunday. You know, he's just thrown one day profit. I mean, the way the world looks at it. And he's doing quite well. Yeah, he's doing quite well. So that's, I think that's the... That's the, the that's the end point here is that that whether you're rich whether you're poor, um, you still have you, you still have to get yourself in the same position and grow your relationship with God, and you have to recognize those opportunities when trials come along and take advantage of them. And as he starts off writing in in chapter one, uh, count it all joy and. And pay attention to it. In other words, what have we been saying for the last uh, three three Wednesdays in a row? Don't waste it. Don't waste it, and don't let your position throw you off. So let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and let and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. Your days are numbered, folks. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. It's flowers, the flower falls and the beauty perishes. So will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. When you get caught up in worldly endeavors, one of these days you're going to turn around and it's too late. And it will go a lot faster than you think. Everybody tried to tell Ann and I how fast time was going to go once we had kids. And we, I mean, we didn't not, it wasn't that we didn't believe them. It's that we didn't understand, you know, just didn't understand. And, and in the blink of an eye, you turn around and you're a lot older than you thought you would be at this point in your life. <laughs> what was it Gene Autry said? If, uh, when he was, uh, he was in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, the, the, the great singing cowboy uh, he, he said, a lot of other people said it too, but I, he's the first one I ever heard say it. He said, if I knew I was going to live this long, I took better care of myself. <laughs> so let's go back in here. <clears throat> Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So he, he reverts back to this discussion of remaining steadfast under trials. You're going to get blessings out of it. And he says, when you've stood the test, or excuse me, he says, stood, I'll get it right here in a minute. I tripped over my own tongue. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I didn't see the word love different in anything else it doesn't say obey him it doesn't say i just I, I find that interesting i don't know that i can make much of it but it's an interesting word that that james uses here that I, and what I, what I can try to make of it is that if you truly love god you will obey him if you truly love god then you your heart will seek to 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 do what he's called you to do and when that is the case then you're going to develop this steadfastness, this patience. And he tells us, he uses that analogy there of, 
of uh, you know a sports analogy that, uh, that and, and I've seen different interpretations of this that that there's that he's actually talking about a, an actual you know a, a crown in the afterlife and I've also seen interpretations that he's 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 talking about a, a just a, a a wreath of of you know leaves to be placed upon your head because you have you've run the race and you've won and it's a sports analogy so uh, but either either way you go at it there are rewards to come and blessings to come because you remain steadfast under your trials and that is an absolutely perfect moment for him to segue into verse 13 and say, let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. If you are steadfast in your trial and you don't give way to temptation, right? then you're developing maturity, you're taking advantage of the situation, you're staying where you need to be, Yet when you are tempted, it, it, it's, it is tempting to blame that temptation on something. We've all heard somebody say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and, and James tells us without, with no one's, in no uncertain terms, God doesn't tempt with evil. He himself tempts no one. And he doesn't take away our own responsibility when it comes to the temptation and sinning. In verse 14, he says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You can blame Satan all you want for the temptation because he does provide it. But it's my fault when I give in. It's my fault, it's my desire, it's my responsibility to find the strength that God has called and God has given me as a child of his to go the other direction and resist Satan and he will flee from me. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. The temptations are there to strengthen us. If you've ever wanted to, to, to see where you get a, a beautiful picture of the the battle between God and, and Satan, good and evil if you want to, if you've ever wanted to see it, look at trials. Scripture is so clear that trials are here to strengthen us. God wants us to grow. God wants us to get better. And Satan is over here on the side going, you having some trouble? Here's a quick way out. Having some trouble? What do you, what do you, what do you want the most? Yeah, let, let me open this door for you. You want to go down this pathway? And when we're all when we're in the midst of trials, you can find that that battle the clearest. I think when you realize that what God wants us to get and what Satan is hoping he will get, and it's up to us. We have that responsibility because it's our sinful nature and it's our desires that that allow us to be lured where we should not go. Verse fourteen again. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. 15, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. The wages of sin is death. Period. End of discussion. So he expands upon that in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, Every good gift and every perfect 
gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creations. We are special to God. And God never changes. When we look at what James writes here, we realize that if, if it's something good, it has come from God. We realize that, that we, we can't blame, our, uh, blame anybody but ourselves for the uh, sin that we fall into. And we realize that God never tempts us in those situations. Don't you wish that every time you go into a trial or a difficult time in your life that you could pause, take a deep breath, and tell yourself, this is to strengthen me. This is an opportunity for me to grow. Satan will tempt me. I need to be on my toes, and I need to tell him no. And I need to realize that, that God is doing this for my own good. He's allowed this to occur for my own good. Don't you wish we could be that clear-headed when, they, when the, the trials happen? You know, it doesn't, it, it, we don't work that way. I don't work that way. I, I tend to get to that point about two-thirds of the way through the trial. We can sit here and have all these good Whatever. Whatever. Your mind doesn't go there. Your mind doesn't go there. It's uh, uh, I, and, and I and I say that 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 is the that's a prime example of how immature we are. That's a prime example of how influenced we continue to be by the world and not the word. And and it's it's. I think it highlights the importance of us to be here like we are right now doing what we're doing. It highlights the importance of us setting aside time to go back and read through these, these words that God has given us so that we can strengthen ourselves and we can do what he wants us to do. And it, it's, I, I say it, I say it a hundred times. I know a, a year in Sunday school and here and wherever else when I'm teaching or whatever, ever it may be, that when we walk out of here um, and get in our vehicles and head home, the world starts over immediately taking hold again. I mean, we can be as dedicated as we want to be sitting here, but we walk outside that door and it's like the, all the switches get flipped and the, the phone starts ringing and the emails come in and, you know, and whatever it may be. You know, we hear the news reports and our mind goes over here. It, it is a, it is a it's an exercise in training ourselves to truly be mindful of what God teaches us to get through these trials and it's tough it's tough any other comments or, or things to say about that before we move into uh, verse 19 talking about hearing and doing the word? Yeah. Going back to 
Oh, but I understand what you're saying. But my life that I have now is almost like store bookshelf versus, you know, grandma Bible. So, but it, it, it does make a, a difference, um, you know, in seeing that, you know, going back and seeing that now, thinking on that now, but it's just like, it is, you know, that two by four of sudden ahead of time. I've been praying, you know, God help me get my relationship back to you, with you, like the Lord once was. Um, and He throws, you know, He's answered that prayer by putting things in my pathway. Yeah. You know. But you need to use them. Yeah. 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 To use them as the, as stepping stones to work closer to Him and to get get me back to this work um, versus just sitting there and being what was me up. I used to tell my kids, uh, uh, well, maybe not all of them. I'm trying to remember, this might have been something I told them, one of them specifically. But it was, it's the difference between, you know, praying, praying for God to, uh, to give you a ham sandwich versus putting all the things in the refrigerator for you to make one and saying get up and go build it yourself <laughs> so i don't know why i chose ham sandwich but that was just what came to my mind at the time <laughs> said you have you have what you need and that's really how we started this whole conversation weeks ago about christian maturity because second peter tells us that god grants us everything that we need to mature and so now we're looking at how God uses situations in our lives so that we can take those things that he gives us and use them to mature. And, and, and it's, uh, it's an interactive thing. You know, he's, he's, he's going to drag you along, but, you know, you, you can, either way, you can come along kicking and screaming or you can come along cooperating and the end result for you is going to be a whole lot better. Not more peaceful, that's for sure. <laughs> That is for sure. Anything else before we go into <clears throat> verse 19? All right, so verse 19, James continues to write. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I would challenge everybody to underline that <laughs> verse 20 because I think we all need to remember that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I have heard people who have been angry at a situation in their life or another fellow Christian, whatever it may be, and the, one of the first things they will say is, well, this is righteous indignation. <laughs> really? <laughs> How's that work? <laughs> God can do that. God doesn't sin. So if God has anger, he doesn't take it to the point of sinfulness because he ain't gonna. We don't, I don't think we have the ability to do that. Anger takes control of us. Look at Jonah, right? Those, those feelings get really deep and we lose sight of who we are. 
we lose sight of, of what we're supposed to do. And, and I had a, 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 somebody I used to work for one time would always talk to me about problems we were seeing out of other people, other employees at the company. And it would always boil down to, I can't tell you how many times he said this to me, they're just getting emotional. If they would stop getting emotional, this would be easy. But their emotions are just coming into the mix and, they're, and, and it's, just, it's just an emotional thing. We need to take the emotion out of it and sit down and deal with the problem. And, and that's a, it's, it's good advice to take across the board. I think first 19 was written for me. You think so? <laughs> it's, it's a challenge for all of us, Mary. It, it is. It's a challenge for all of us. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For anger does not produce the righteousness of God. So 21, he says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meek with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We're gonna just let's let's just read a little bit more on that. For 22, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We'll stop at that one. I want to I want to tack that one on there. Because you know, again, James is talking about maturing. So he talks about trials, how they work for us. We've we've really beat that horse in here a lot over the last few weeks. Now he's talking about when you hear the word, you have a responsibility to not deceive yourself by only sitting and listening, but by doing. Comments? It's a big deal, isn't it? He's really picking away at our local. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. He's 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 saying, "All right, folks, we're, we got a lot to talk about here." And and what's amazing is how it applies to. Obviously, it applied to the folks he was writing directly to, and it applies to everybody moving forward forever and ever. Amen. You know, we're we're all in the same situation. We need to, when we're dealing with each other, when we're dealing with, with our fellow Christians, when we're dealing in the world, these things all hold true. Let's be quick to hear. Let's be slow to speak, slow to anger. Let's realize what anger does to us. Then let's, <clears throat> let's take away and take and put away all of the wickedness and let's, let's let God's word work in us, that same word that saves us, the good news of the gospel, and realizing that with that, we get this meekness. We get this, we should get this, um, this the, the fruit of the spirit, right? Where we should be able to have the patience that we keep talking about. We should have an attitude in all situations that lets people see that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. Oh, what a challenge. Oh, what a challenge. Because the, the, the example that everyone uses, when somebody cuts you off on I-75 and you're trying to get to work in the morning, you're not thinking about meekness. It's just not on your, you know, what is it? What was that? Uh, uh, the, the spokesperson for the Biden administration, top of mind. It's just not top of mind. <laughs> I dug that back out again. <clears throat> but James calls us to go in a different direction. It says, for if anyone, in verse 23, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once, at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. God's word should reveal to us who we truly are. We should be able to read into scripture, see the examples that Christ has put forth, see the words that that lead us in the direction that we need to go. And God's word should be a mirror that reveals the imperfections in our lives. That's what? Some days you might want that great. Yeah. <laughs> you, you very well might. You know, the problem with that, though, there'd be all these little pieces around it. I'll be talking to you about something different. No. That's true for all of us, I think. I, I really do. And, and, and James is telling us that, look, the, the word will reveal to you what you need to work on. It will reveal to you your shortcomings. It will reveal to you the areas in your life that God is trying to work on you, on you and, 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 and move you closer to Christ. And so knowing that, go back to the trials. What, is, what, what am I going to learn through this trial? How am I going to get better? What has Scripture revealed to me as a shortcoming that I can, I can start to look at and identify and use this trial to refine and make it better and work with God through this and not waste it? And so that's what he's saying. If you're not a doer of the Word, not just meaning go out and serve, but meaning let the Word speak to you about what you need to do with yourself. Don't be like the man who walks up to a mirror, sees everything that's wrong and goes, I don't care, and turns and walks away. Because that man has benefited nothing from that experience. And so James is telling us to, to, to be active and to put God's word to work in our lives. And he says that he will receive a blessing in his doing. Blessings. That's another word we have to talk about one day. Because what's a blessing for you may not be a blessing for me. You know, God works in different ways in all of our lives and we, we, we'll get different blessings out of obeying his word and doing the things that he wants us to do. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. How many times have we heard, I, at least I, I seem to, to, to flag it when I hear it, people say, hey Christians, you're just supposed to visit orphans and widows and show them kindness. But never do I hear them go and to keep oneself unstained from the world tacked onto that. 
we have, yeah, we're, we're called to take care of widows and orphans. There's no question about that. We're called to, to be active in, in the lives of those who are less fortunate and having, having issues and to lift them up and be there for them. But we're also called to be unstained from the world, which means we're called to do those things from a godly perspective, not a worldly perspective. So when the world comes and attacks us Christians and says, you're not doing what the Bible tells you to do, they typically have a worldly view of what a Christian should look like, not a biblical view of what a Christian should look like. And we are called to do these things from a biblical perspective and to do it in a way that that shows the love of God to those around us. You know, I, I, I've heard folks say, you know, you need, to, you, need to quit, you need to quit preaching, you need to quit witnessing. You just need to just, just go do, do those other things. You know, take, take care of, of the things that, that, that need to be dealt with in this world. You know, Christians, you can minister to people, but you don't need to preach, you don't need to witness. That's not, you just get on people's nerves. You, you, you got a warped view of Christianity. We are called to do those things from a godly perspective. And when we do it, that's how we do it. We want people to see Jesus in us. Comments, questions, criticisms. Anything you'd like to hurl at me? My wife's back there. She had the opportunity right then and there. Didn't do it. I like verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious, you have to accept the protecting them this time. He sees himself as religion is worthless. Look at him raise that one. He's up for all the profanity. Yes. Are you like James 126 says? I've been trying to think of something to say. We're going to get through them because it's so bad. No, there are there. There's you can you can use that one um where is it that paul talks about we should avoid all all coarse talk i think it's paul there's 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 two or three places where you can yeah yeah, you don't. There, there might be one other. I'm trying to think of something in the Book of Acts or not, but uh, but yeah, you don't see that word very much throughout Scripture at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Trying to, you gonna hit them where it hurts. <laughs> yep, you're gonna hit them where it hurts. I want to see something since Ron brought that up real quick. Uh, I want to see if there was any note here. Yeah, I thought I thought for sure that the ES. I just, I just happened to have the the ESV study notes in front of me. I thought they might have referenced that, but they don't. But I know you're right about that, Ron. <clears throat> and today, the word religion is kind of a dirty word. You know, it does it doesn't really refer to, in my opinion, it doesn't refer to Christianity. It doesn't uh, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't paint a picture for who we are. Christianity is a relationship. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but that word that word meant something in the way that he was using it here. 
You know, do you, so if you're talking to folks who are immature and they consider themselves to be a certain way, and yet they're exhibiting behavior that is showing a lack of maturity, he's basically saying, you're, you're, just, you're just flat wrong. You're just flat wrong. Well, thanks for the discussion again tonight. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there, and uh, we, can, uh, we can. I think we'll continue on through James. I enjoy James a lot, and I enjoy the discussion we get uh, from the book of James. So we'll just, uh, as we have some more nights here on Wednesday nights, we'll just keep going through it and walk our way through uh, what James has written. So, any, any closing thoughts? All right, sounds good. Jimmy Walton, would you close for us? Thanks, sir. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house. And thank you for the leadership of John and this study. And we just pray, Lord, that we take these verses and apply them in our lives on a daily basis. But we share that love with those around us because there are many hurting and there's many things going on around us. And what this world does need now is love. We just need to take heed of these words, apply them. Share that gift with others so we might bring the lost to you. Be with each and every prayer request and the needs that were unspoken. Guide us throughout the rest of this week. In my name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jimmy.